standard issue for all women. Hello, Hannah here. I don't know what Mickey and Jen have decided to call these special podcasts, but I'm going to go with a blast from the past. And boy, is this one from the past. We weren't even a podcast when we recorded this at the end of 2016. So for the avoidance of any doubt, we are no longer an online magazine. You can no longer read my column online and we haven't got any upcoming gigs to plug. So why did I pick this one? And by this one, I mean the gig in which I spoke to the boss, Sarah Millican, Joe Brand and Kathy Burke. Well, firstly, because it's pretty exciting because Sarah Millican, Joe Brand and Kathy Burke. I mean, I always take the opportunity to hang out with Sarah when it presents itself. And Joe, I'd actually met once before, but that didn't make meeting her again any less incredibly exciting. And Kathy, well, she entered the room and said, I'm sorry, I'm late dot, dot, dot. And I promise you, you could try for a thousand years and you'd never guess what she said next. And I'll never tell you because I'm pretty sure no matter how Kathy Burke, Kathy Burke is, it was still too Kathy Burke for public consumption. The other reason I picked this gig is because of when it happened, November the 20th, 2016, which was smack bang in the middle of the worst few months of my life. And I'm not being melodramatic here. Both my parents were in hospital and I was pretty sure that neither of them would make it to Christmas. And sadly, I was half right. But I'm not telling you this to make you sad, but hopefully to make you happy. Because even among all of that stress and that grief and that worry, I had one really fucking great night. So there is always hope. Enjoy. The Leicester Square Theatre. You guys are so good. <laughs> so, to introduce you, I'm Sarah Milliken, uh, as you may or may not know. Thanks. This is the, the amazing Joe Brand. Hello. The wonderful Kathy Burke. Hello. And Standard Issues Deputy Editor Hannah Dunleavy. <laughs> Who is host? Are you hosting? Are you doing the technical Yeah, let's stuff? call it that. Yeah, okay. Crack on then, love. <laughs> So, give me, might as well start by knowing who you guys are. So, give me a cheer if you already read Standard Issue. <laughs> Exciting. It's pretty good. You're my favourite people. <laughs> give us a cheer if you don't. Yeah! <laughs> that's a fucking happy about it. Get out. Well, now we're going to convert you fuckers. That's what tonight is about. <laughs> so, I'm the lady with the questions. Yes. Today. So, I thought I might start with, you're all exceptionally funny women. And I thought I might start with the question... No, really. Um, I might start with the question, what makes you laugh? Sarah? Me? We'll start start with, with me? OK. What makes me laugh? Uh, farts. Uh, <laughs> mine and other people's. Um, a well-timed fart is hard to beat. I think you'll agree. Um, I listened to a podcast this afternoon and somebody farted on it and it just made me really happy. <laughs> so if any of you could crank one out during the show, I'd be thrilled. Um, Shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> last night. That's not good, is it? I think my guts might be a little bit fragrant today as well. Um, anyway, that's not what makes me laugh. That's what I eat when I'm desperate at two in the morning and I really want some custard. 
Um, and my, 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 my female friends made, made me laugh a lot. I think that's probably a really boring answer, isn't it? I should have saved the thought bit for next. Um, but my female friends make me laugh a lot. I like to have nice lunches because then I'm eating and laughing, which is always beneficial. Um, and I would say my husband makes me laugh. He's a comic, so he should. But he makes me laugh every day, and that is nice. So that's, that's my... Oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Joe. Um, I think what makes me laugh the most is um, real-life slapstick and loss of dignity. Um, One of my favourite examples, it helps as well if you're really angry at the time as well. Um, when, When I was a kid, my parents used to make us go for walks all the time. It was really shit, and me and my brothers hated it. And one day we went out um, with my mum and dad. My dad's a very bad-tempered person, and, um, and my mum was as well quite a lot of the time. But uh, it was quite wet, and we were walking up on the cliffs in Hastings, and we were all really it, it got in a terrible mood. And um, my mum said, oh, come on, look, just smile, will you? We're out on a lovely walk. <laughs> At which point um, the ground beneath her gave way. <laughs> And she slid about 30 foot down the side of a hill um, in the mud and just ended up spread-eagled at the bottom. She wasn't injured or anything, but I have never pissed myself so much in my life because all the stars are in alignment for that. So it's kind of things like that when someone tells you off and then they fall over. It's that, it's that sort of thing that I absolutely love. And ditto my, my friends as well. I've never laughed as much as I do with my friends. And that's great to have friends that are funny, isn't it? Mm. It is, yes. Cass, a friend of mine, she's yes. fucking hilarious. <laughs> no pressure. No, no. <laughs> I had a similar experience earlier in the year. My mum sort of slid off a cliff. And I ran to save her like a hero and then just sort of slid past her and ended up just sitting right on the... And we and she was wearing a big white fluffy jumper. And um, so I realised it looked from a distance like I was trying to haul a sheep up a hill. Um, and I laughed for, I, well, for the amount of time between her falling and then a doctor saying she'd hurt a vertebrae in her back. <laughs> that was the period in which I, I don't think I've ever laughed so much in my life. I feel like I've let everybody down by not having a story about my mum falling down let's, the hill. Let's go push her over. Yeah. <laughs> we can arrange that <laughs> at some point in the future. Good to know it's still, in, it's still possible. You know, it's still... Can I just say, um, I haven't forgotten my guitar. Um... <laughs> <laughs> It's just because I don't do stand up, they thought I wouldn't be used to holding a mic. So, but I just realised it, ma- it makes me feel a bit like Mary Hopkins. You can remember that far back, but she's forgotten her guitar. <laughs> so, Mary, um, <laughs> what makes you laugh? Um, well, just silly things. I love sla- uh, slapstick as well. I love things like um, you've been framed. I've got no shame in loving that at all. Um, just things like that, animals falling over. I-, I don't like it when people fall over sort of violently. That doesn't make me laugh. Like There's, there's um, something going around at the moment. It's all these old age pensioners on a... What's it called? A seesaw. And then, and then of course, they... they uh, 
ones, all the ones on the left, just tumble off it, you see. But that didn't make me laugh, because I just sort of started to worry about the old age pensioners breaking their hips and their heads and everything like that. But it's usually really stupid stuff. But kids, I love kids, and um, I haven't got any kids, which is why I love them. And... um, And so my mate's kids, I just find them hilarious. And my favourite thing, there's a wonderful documentary thing on Channel 4 at the moment called The Secret Life of Four-Year-Olds. And I just adore it, because it really makes me laugh, but I just love the beauty of them, you know. So I I like a mix of smiling and joy, you know. Good answer. So... Not that funny, but... <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, what makes you angry? Oh. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Hashtag menopause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything. Everything is making me angry at the moment. State of the world is making me angry at the moment. When I was a kid in school, we learnt about the, the rise and then hopefully what I thought was the fall of fascism... Um, to see it rear its ugly head again is making me fucking livid. I tell I can't tell you. It's repulsive. So, there we go. Great. Sarah? Mm. What makes me mad? It feels like nothing compared to what Cathy's just said. <laughs> but when I forget to put my bin out... <laughs> really annoyed. Really annoyed. But because then you've got, like, double shit for next time. Well, actually, I have to say, in a sort of combination of those both answers, I stayed up to watch the American election and forgot to put my bin out. (laughs) And I was like, you fucker, Trump. I've got stinky old cat food now for another two weeks because of you and also fascism. And also, I get really annoyed when somebody... This is the word that my sort of... I suppose my code name for my husband, somebody. (laughs) And somebody loads the dishwasher, doesn't put it on. What's the fucking point of that? And it's full. It's not like he was being good and saving space. No, no, it's full. So then I open it thinking it's empty, like it's it's finished, and now I'm going to empty it and put it all back in the cupboards, and it just stinks of bins. Because that's the kind of food that we eat. I did want to add something out of a bin, but that's it. Is that for now? Okay. Uh, somebody went, no. Harsh. It was a croissant. Uh, see? It's better now, isn't it? Because it was a croissant. But just being a bread bun, you already thought it was disgusting. Um, yeah, that's kind of what makes me mad. Domestic things. Passive-aggressive d- domestic things. Joe, what makes you mad? Um, well, lo- loads of things. Um, having to get cheese out of the bin because we've run out of it. <laughs> makes me quite cross um, not having any clean pants and having to wear some old ones of mine or my husband's both very entertaining um, he makes me a bit fucked off most of the time if I'm honest you know I think there's a sort of delicious anger that comes from um, the anger that you feel towards your partner isn't there really you know, like, like just the way they talk to you. Um, um, you. You know, when you've been together ages, that they don't even bother to be nice anymore, do they? Well, I don't bother either, you know. And he, he kind of talks to me in, like, some kind of code. Like, um, you know, he can't be asked to even say 
it in English. Like, for example, he still would quite like me to lose some weight, right? So for my last birthday, he, he bought me a dress that was two sizes too small. And kind of as a hint, and then gave it to me and went, oh, look forward to seeing you in it. So for his birthday, I bought him a coffin. <laughs> That's how we communicate. But I am angry with him most of the time. And I think that is a relationship, really. Just the person you'd be the most angry yeah. with. But also, it? you can be really angry at them and they won't go anyway because they, they're really angry at you as well. Yes, and it's a, nice sort of, it's a nice compromise, isn't it? <laughs> it is, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those things, um, and oh, loads of other things. Bullying makes me properly, mm. seriously angry. Mm. And I think you can just extend that to the whole world from Donald Trump downwards, mm. can't you, really? Hannah, what's, what makes you angry? Oh, so some days, most of the time, nothing. Some days, absolutely everything. Um, yeah, like the smallest things. Like I can, I can fixate on something and be incredibly angry about it irrationally for ages. Like I was really angry for ages when Coldplay put that picture from the French Revolution on the front of their album. <laughs> Just completely, <laughs> insanely, irrationally angry with it to the point I would go into HMV and turn them round. So... <laughs> People couldn't see them. But then other things, just I just like, yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah. Somebody pushed in front of me in a queue today when I was at the train station oh. and then said, oh, I think you'll find I was here first. And I thought, oh, yeah, right. We're on, um, perhaps it's part of, that is the new post-truth world, isn't it? That he's just <laughs> taking part of there. Yeah, just made it up. So, yeah, I wanted to stab him in the face, but I didn't. <laughs> I shouted at a man at the train station the other day because I was on the phone having a private conversation just outside of the train station, but I was standing still. And there was a man doing the same, having a really loud kind of sort of businessman twatty fucking conversation. <laughs> and he was, but he was walking, pacing back and forward. So every now and again, he'd get louder and louder and louder and be here. And then he'd go quiet and quiet and quiet. And then he'd come back again. And I was trying to have a private conversation. And every time he went past, I, I just kept saying to my husband, I'm sorry, I just give us a second because there's an asshole going past me at the moment. And he didn't listen at all and I had to move. I really wanted to punch him though. Why isn't punching allowed? <laughs> anyway, that's front of the time. It is allowed. Oh, is it? Okay, that's cool. Okay. Joe, you mentioned, you mentioned there something about clothes and pants and wearing. And I wanted to ask you, all of you, something because um, you two guys in particular, I've known Sarah a while. When I was growing up and I watched television, you two were the only women that I could see on television who dressed anything like I dressed, in as much as you wore, you appeared to be wearing what, what you wanted to wear. What, what, was there a certain pressure on you to dress a certain way? in your career, or did you just dress how you like to dress? Mm. Go on, Kath. Well, I don't know. Well, it was a bit different, I suppose, with me, because I was, I was acting. Yeah. So, you know, to, to, to then, I suppose, yeah, actresses are meant to be a certain way, and then when they go on chat shows and that, you're meant to, you know, apparently you're meant to have a bath and wash your hair. And... <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you get offered things like a stylist. Would you like a stylist and all this business? And um, so I've never done anything like that, you know. So um, there was, wasn't so much pressure. There was expectation, but that sort of drifted away quite quickly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then there was expectation. Oh, great. You know, hopefully she's going to 
be looking like she just walked in from doing the shop, you know. And, uh, yeah, so, so, I don't know. It's weird, weird about the pressure thing, but um, I just sort of ignored it, really. Bravo. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, yeah, I had pressure from weird areas, just, to, um, <clears throat> you know, the sort of comments people would make. I was on... Um, the big breakfast one day with Vanessa Feltz when she was doing On the Bed with Vanessa after poor Paulie Yates had died. And um, she kind of looked me up and down like I was, you know, a seriously unpalatable thing in the room. And um, she pointed towards this uh, rack of, like, hideous rhinestone dresses. <laughs> and went, please choose anything you like from my rack. And... Um, <laughs> I, the only thing I could think of to do with them would be, like, big, shiny sanitary towels. But um, <laughs> So I turned down her rack, and um, I think on another occasion as well, I was Trini and Susannah'd, and that was quite an ordeal as well. Uh, but the thing is, like, I think with Trini and Susannah, the, the, the women that really suffered on that were the ones that were kind of nice and not gobby and couldn't talk back, you know. Because actually I'd had a hilarious thing on Trini and Susanna because they sprung a surprise on me and they, they kind of said, we've got something coming up later. And they basically sat me in a dentist chair with a very bright light uh, shining um, over it. And then uh, Susanna came on with a pair of comedy tweezers and said, oh, we've got to sort your beard out now, right? Oh like I was God. fucking Brian Blessed, you know. <laughs> and... Um, so I had a kind of... And I only had about two hairs. I didn't have a full-grown, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so I had a bit of a rant into the camera about it. And, and then the camera wham went, oh, the battery's gone. I didn't catch any of that. And I thought, yeah, I bet you fucking didn't. So I kind of got quite cross about that. So cross that the executive producer was sent down. It's quite serious, That isn't is it? serious, yeah. And she said the most brilliant thing to me I've ever had said to me on telly. She said, what's the problem? I went, I'm just really angry that this, this and this has happened. And she said, would you like to have a lie down? <laughs> Do you think I'm 130 years old? Like, or like kind of Joan Collins or something. That like, you know, I have a slight stroke when I get angry. And I went, no, no, I fucking lie down. I'm just pissed off. So weird that attitude, though, isn't it? It just when you so you knew you were gonna when they sprung things on you. You knew about being on the program, though. So you'd said yes to being on the program, but they sprung things on you within that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, within it. Yeah, like like sort of little little kind of you know sneaky attempts to humiliate you and make you feel embarrassed, presumably. It's so awful, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is awful. But um, but I, I didn't really care. I thought it was hilarious in some ways, you know. <laughs> Did you I, have a lie down? Did it help? <laughs> no, sadly, I didn't have a lie down. No, I wish I had now. <laughs> On top of her. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, because it was a woman, you know, which is even worse. Oh, I saw it worse. Yeah. I've had a few people sort of attempt to do things with me, uh, clothes-wise. And I just kind of, I don't want a stylist. I don't want some, I don't like shopping, so I do it online. So if I'm going to have a cry, I do it in the house. <laughs> I did have to get cut out of a dress once in monsoon. <laughs> um, that was awful. So I just, then at least my husband can just cut us out of dresses now, which is nicer. <laughs> it's a nice thing to do together, you know. 
No, actually, just, the other thing um, Trini and Suzanne did, they made me go to Rigby and Pella, you know, the posh Oh, the people queen, that's the queens, that isn't the it? The queens yeah. bras, yeah. And um, they have these sort of um, <laughs> kind of women in their 60s there with very faint Austrian accents. It's just quite unsettling. And um, they can apparently tell how big your tits are just by looking at them, right? And they know the exact size because they're so experienced. And so I was forced to, like, they didn't film this, thank God, sort of take everything off my top and go into a cubicle with this strange woman. And um, it was brilliant, because she went in there and and she looked me up and down and she went, hmm, not as bad as I'd imagined. (laughs) You could have slapped her in the face with your tits then. (laughs) I said, I'd have a swing going. (laughs) I could have killed her. befuddled <laughs> yeah. well I, I feel sometimes because I tend to dress like this which my nephew told me was like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory I don't know <laughs> well for the, for the podcast listeners it's a nice t-shirt and some jeans yes that's what you're wearing you yes. made it like this like oh yeah but, but you look lovely but you know this when, whenever we whenever we go anywhere and do anything the first question I always send back is will I have to wear something smart no you always say do I have to wear a skirt yes <laughs> I would yeah. never make you go somewhere where you had to wear a no, skirt. No, no. And the second question is always, will someone touch me? But that's like something else that I'm really weird about. Because you don't want that or you want that? No, because I don't want it. But yeah, but, um, yeah I, don't, I, I, find, I find it quite stressful to, to dress smartly. It's, it, I find it quite a pressure to. I would I, just, I, if I could just go everywhere in my pyjama bottoms, I would mm. quite happily. In fact, go, I do go quite a lot of places in my pyjama bottoms. I got, but, some, I got some black, just kind of jersey pyjamas from Marxies that I can walk the dog in because they just look like trousers and I do I mean I have to put a top on like obviously I've got a jacket on as well because the boobs are just swinging everywhere <laughs> got your pyjamas on I'm not like you can get those pyjama tops that have got the shelf you know to make sure your boobs look up and you think if I'm seeing somebody in my pyjamas they have to see me as I fucking am yeah. I'm afraid quite but I've, I've had a few sort of when I like, if I do a telly job, you know, you have to. I have to buy a new thing for the telly job, and then you get told quite last minute, oh, you can't wear purple or blue or black because that's the colour of the backdrop. Mm. And they and they just nip out and get something else. I can't nip out and get something else because there's only four shops I can fucking go in because all the rest of them stop at a size 14, and I'm not a size 14, so I find it quite stressful. So that's why I do it online because then I can just order stuff and then it, you know try it on and and you know send it back if needs be. I find it much less stressful. Agreed. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was, no, yeah, I was because I was going to ask you because you did, you did indeed get a load of crap for something you wore somewhere once, didn't you? Oh yeah, or just the one time? Are you joking? Yeah. Uh, all the fucking time. Uh, I got yeah. Uh, this has been well documented. So apologies if you've heard this, but uh, I was invited to the Baftas haven't uh, thanks exactly that's what I fucking thought uh, haven't never mm. been before and I decided to um, go shopping with my friend and uh, and uh, which I tried on a few dresses and I picked one that I really liked and, and we bought that one and uh, I felt silly when the lady on the counter said oh were you going somewhere nice and I didn't want to go to the BAFTAs because I felt silly saying that so I just said oh it was a wedding and we got, we got in the car and we drove home and it was the only dress of the four that I tried on that we both went oh like that so that was a sign and then I wore it uh, at the at the BAFTAs and the BAFTAs, once I got in the room, I, it was amazing because, 
I'm surrounded by all these astonishing people who I admire, and I'd been nominated, and I knew I didn't have a cat in hell's chance, but I didn't give a shit. I was having a lovely time, mm-hmm. and I demanded that Stephen Mangan introduce me to Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> so I was having a lovely night, and I had to stand in a queue for Matt LeBlanc <laughs> because there was a queue forming of people who wanted to meet him. I was behind Jon Snow. It was really weird. And... <laughs> And, and then when I left, we got in the car to drive home and I got changed because it wasn't a driving dress. So I had to get changed. Uh, it would have got caught on the pedals. It was quite a long one. And uh, so I, got, I was getting changed in the passenger seat because I'm classy like that while my husband was driving us home. And I just thought I'll have a look on Twitter because uh, I like Twitter. It's fun. I like Facebook. It's fun. And it was just... just a. Uh, uh, oh god it was so horrific just so many people saying so many horrible things about my dress and it it bothered me so much that I wrote an article and that uh, I wrote it for the I was writing for the Radio Times at the time about how unimportant it was what I was wearing Mm. and how it doesn't matter like I was surrounded by all these amazing people and I wasn't at any point looking at them going "Mm, she doesn't look very good in purple or she's too thin for that or I was I had no I don't give a shit and it was such an odd thing to be criticised for to me, anyway, and it meant that I've, I've never been to an awards show since. Because I, no, I just don't. I don't think I want to be valued that way, so I don't go anymore. So. No, I, I mean I've, I've had the same thing. I don't go to award shows for that reason. I hate that big bank of photographers that. Yeah, it's horrible share, on the way you know, in. Yeah, and and, and and those photographers. I mean. Um, I remember reading once that when Princess Diana was alive, she was at, um, at some premiere and one of the photographers shouted at her, hold your chin up, you fucking bitch. <gasps> so if that's how they speak to royalty. What, what, the princess how are they of our hearts. treat everyone else, you know? And I think the thing is, it's actually um, so many women comply with the sort of demands of the press in that way that actually you are the odd one out if you don't, you know. Mm. And certain newspapers don't like that. The, the male hates it, you know. Like the male online just has a, a stock set of phrases, doesn't it, about how women appear when they're at premieres. So X will put on a busty display, which I, I love that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> or like, if they say leggy, it means you've got legs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what that, I, I actually did go to a premiere um, a few weeks ago uh, because it was um, a really important one. It was on behalf of a charity, la, la, la. But um, I, I, you, when, when that happens, if you get something shit in the paper about you, someone always tells you about it and then you can't avoid looking at it. So I did look. And so the Daily Mail described what I had on as billowing, right? <laughs> Like I was at the head of the fucking Spanish Armada. <laughs> um, but that's what they do with fat people. Because obviously fat people can't wear something, you, you know, that's a tiny little... I didn't put on a busty display. They were angry. <laughs> and I wasn't leggy. And I didn't have my arse out. And were you so, flaunting anything? Uh? Were you flaunting anything? Only my vagina. Just <laughs> cut out. Just a cut out. <laughs> some nice flashing lights around it as well. Like a little Christmas display. No, I know. But they drive you mad. They certainly do. And while we're on award shows, I'm curious, we we won an award this year, Standard Issue. Well, hey! I was allowed to go and collect it because up until that point in my life I've been nominated for like about a dozen awards and never won one. So um, I was allowed to go and collect it and pretend I was Leonardo DiCaprio. 
Um, all you guys have won quite a major award. You've got a BAFTA Joe, haven't you? I have. You yeah. won for Nil by Mouth. Mm-hmm. Sarah won a. Was it was it a Perrier when it was a Perrier? I won in the newcomer, and then I won a comedy award. The, like the vote one voted by the public, so that it's good though because that's like they're the best ones. Well, I win. think it is. Does, does it actually make it around the table? I think yeah, because it well, having an award at all. Yeah, I think in the early like when I got the newcomer, it did because it was sort of shorthand for your good, I guess. Um, so it was easier. I think it maybe opened a couple of doors that were easier to get in. But I think ultimately after that, it's nice to be nominated. And I always think nominated, because I've been nominated more than I've won. I'm bound to think nominated is more important. <laughs> but it is, it feels a bit, it's nice to be on a shortlist. I'm not really bothered about winning things. Also, if I, if I get nominated for things now, then they'll want me to go to the fucking awards too. <laughs> and I don't want to. <laughs> don't make me fuck off. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it makes a massive difference. Does it make a difference to you girls? Well, no, well, yeah, because I got the Cannes Award, like, so that's like 20 years ago now. And, um, I mean, it was very nice. The night was lovely and it was exciting and it was very unexpected. You know, I didn't expect it at all. In fact, it was so unexpected I wasn't there. <laughs> and um, Gary Oldman phoned me on the Sunday morning um, to say, you need to come over because um, you're going to get the award. And they, they told him because I wasn't there, so then they could fly me over. Um, but it was Sunday morning. I was, I was like, in my pyjamas, and I really thought it was my Auntie Joan ringing up. And, um, so it was all a bit of an asshole. But, um, but, uh, but actually, it was all right. It was good fun. It was really good fun, and, uh, and it was all very exciting and everything. But it sort of became... It was a bit of a bind, in a way, you know? And it, that sounds so ungrateful. Um, and I don't mean to be ungrateful at all, um, but I am being. And um, uh, because it's like then you get put on a list. So then you're on a fucking list of someone that gets awards. So then you sort of get nominated for everything. Um, or people put awards in your name. But my, 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 Sam said that one of my favourite uh, awards wasn't for me. It was um, an Irish dancing school in Streatham named a cup after me. <laughs> Which, so there was the Capybara Cup <laughs> for Irish dancing. Which, Can I still enter that? Which I, 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 I was sort of thrilled about, actually. But then, of course, they named the cup after you, so then they expect you to go and sort of present the cup, you know. Um, I mean, they're good fun, but what it's all about is it's money. It's all about, um, you know, me going to Cannes to collect the award. It, it, it makes the film get the publicity that the producers want the film or whatever it is the DVD to promote the show it's all about selling tickets that's what it boils down to so um, you can sort of flatter yourself with the all the doings of it but it's a lot of old bollocks and it's it's <laughs> it's just to make money really so Joe <laughs> sorry you want to be? Uh, yeah I was fucking pissed off when I got a BAFTA <laughs> <laughs> Really? I wasn't really. I was, I was pleased, but I wasn't going to go. I, t- I tell you, one, one thing that, that you can do is, if you want to know whether you've won it or not, if you tell them you can't go and they go, yeah. we really want you to come, then you know you've won it. So um, that's quite handy. But you're always um, happier for other people. Like, I was so thrilled when Joe got a BAFTA because it was like, it wasn't just, I didn't feel it was just for that brilliant show, Nurse. I sort of felt it was for all the work that Joe has done 
and all the years of comedy, you know, because you've just been someone that we all fucking adore and look up to and, you know. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Probably the only time I've been happy seeing someone get an award. So. No, well, I, the only reason I went is because my mum wanted to go. Of course, and, yeah. Uh, she said, oh, let's go and we'll see, you know, who we can meet. I said, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> OK. And then she didn't turn up. So <laughs> I had to go and I didn't want to go. So um, She stood you up? Yeah, she's always doing that. She's terrible. She's probably out graffitiing in a building or something. <laughs> she does that sort of thing. She's out of control, 82-year-old. Anyway... Um, I think my favourite award I've won, which, which, which did really mean a lot to me, was an award which was voted for by the chief execs of charities as to which so-called celebrity contributes a lot towards charity because there was a top five shortlist, which I was on, uh, as was uh, Angelina Jolie and Davina McCall, and I won it. I was so fucking pleased. <laughs> have to hang out with William Hague at all? Uh? You didn't even have to hang out with William Hague? No. <laughs> I chose to. Um, no, William Hague actually got married the same day as I did. I was really pissed off about that as well. Did you have a lot of guests in common? <laughs> loads. Absolutely loads. <laughs> so I said something nice to you two. Nice earlier. I thought I might say something nice to Sarah, which is I met Sarah in... Uh, do you remember when we met? Met in a pub in Corby, because we know how to enjoy ourselves. Oh, oh you're from Corby. Exciting. And maybe you were there. Um, and when I met her, I went home, and I said to my flatmate, I met someone today, and she's going to be famous. And I just... I, no, I knew that you were really funny, and that you were, you were on it, and you were ready. And you, are you at all surprised to find yourself where you are now? Is it... Is it luck? Is it hard work? Is it sheer talent that's got you here? Oh, God. Um, I don't know if... I, don't, oh I know, God. I don't often say nice things. It's, it's no, thrown it's, you, isn't you've it? thrown me completely. <laughs> She's normally really awful to me at work. Um, I, don't, I read a really good quote that I'm it's not, not going to remember by Peter Dinklage about luck. And it's about when people say that something's... That it's luck that you are where you are. It's kind of... I should really just find the fucking court. Um, <laughs> does anybody know the court I'm talking about? No, none of you. Great, thanks. Didn't do the homework I set you. Um, it's about how the guy that was... What was that? The harder you work, the faster you work. The harder you work, the... Where are you? Give us a wave. Where are you? She says, yeah, hello, love. The harder you work, the luckier you are. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm. that's not the court, but that's a good court. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good court. <laughs> And it's basically saying that if you say that somebody's where they are because of luck, it's kind of uh, pisses all over the, the, the young, new actor who's, you know, working his arse off to try and get anywhere in the early stages of his career. That's basically the gist of it. I think the lucky part of my career is that the thing that I'm good at is... Uh, sorry, that's not... I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm trying to get there. The thing that I'm good at happens to be a thing that can get you further on, can get you on the telly or can get you more work or can get you sort of, and not that you, I would necessarily want to be famous, but can get you recognition and that sort of thing. It's not that, like, if I was good at um, stacking the dishwasher really well, and I'm not, 
that wouldn't get me where I am. So I think that's the lucky thing is the skill that I have is very useful in the, in the job that I want. Um, but I do think saying that something's lucky can sometimes detract from the work that people put in. Oh, I that, quite agree. If that makes sense. No, 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 I agree. Mm. I think I rambled for ages, sorry. Um, well, I would say um, that there is luck involved, but there's also there are a lot of other forces um, at work. And... Um, for example, and, and, and I think you're a good example here, Kath, like the, the odds are very much stacked in favour of people in our business, for example, who are Oxbridge graduates. Because, for example, there are, um, you know, the footlights, the Cambridge footlights. Um, when they do their end-of-term uh, show agents come up from London and they sit in the audience and they select who they want to be an agent for before these people have even had a sniff of telly or anything um, or an audition whereas it, if you're a kind of ordinary mortal like I was, I was a nurse and there are a lot of kind of very ordinary kind of working class comics uh, you, do, you, you don't have that and you also don't have uh, access to the old boy network which is the BBC and which is television you know and that to me makes a huge difference and it's happening a lot at the moment because if you look at the upper echelon of male young male actors who are doing very well most of them went to Eton and Harrow and then most of them went to Oxford or Cambridge and that's that's not luck is it no because the fact of the matter is there's hundreds of thousands of actors um, who to some extent are equally as good as each other I mean the good thing about comedy I think is they either laugh or they don't mm. but in your business it's about other people's judgement mm. so for someone like you to break through well it's fucking amazing you have had to work so but I'm at Oxford Joe <laughs> <laughs> What, to the services on the M4? <laughs> Working in the little chef, yeah. <laughs> oh, I definitely agree with that. I live in Cambridge, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's very difficult to... Uh, and certainly, it's funny, because I'm a journalist, obviously. Um, I would be sitting in a pub with my group of journalist friends who were all living on beans because we were struggling... And behind us, someone would be announcing, oh, the Guardian rang me about my blog and they've offered me a column. And we... Mm. Uh, uh, Absolutely. That is really... That is so how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Cathy, is it hard work that gets you where you you are? Is it talent? Is it... No, it's a mixture of both. But uh, but, I can only talk for myself. And I did work really hard in in my younger years. I don't work that, that... hard now because I think fuck it I deserve you know I'm still getting over me childhood do you know what I mean so you know I deserve a rest quite frankly and um yeah no no but I always worked I always I always wanted money you know so even as a as soon as I could work I did so I think the first job I did I was about nine and that was working um helping a guy out in the news agents just sorting out all the Christmas cards and stuff like that. And then I worked in a laundrette, I worked in a bakery. This is all before, like, then realising, oh, I think I want to do acting. And I went to a great place. See, I was lucky I went to a great place called the Anna Share Theatre. And it catered for all kids, um, you know, from whatever background. Um, because I think it was something like 
when I first I joined there when I was like 15 and it was like 20p a lesson you know so you all you had to do was wait until you your name came to the top of the list and then you could go you didn't have to audition or anything like that so I was very lucky I suppose living in Islington growing up in Islington I've not moved in I'm not new Islington um I'm old Islington and um I was just very very fortunate that um that the Anna Share place was there so I could go there after school but I I really did work hard and looking back like talking to mates that you know, when we all knocked about together then, they did say that, you know, for some reason I was more determined than uh, the others, really. I wasn't sort of sitting around waiting for acting jobs. Because, um, you know, you, you suss out very quickly, oh, my God, you work, like, twice a year if you're lucky. And, um, and that didn't sit well with me because I've always been a grafter. And um, so I would work on the other side. I'd do stage management and... Uh, I would do script reading. I was very much part of a place called the Old Red Lion back then, and that was a fringe theatre. So, so, and that was it. And um, I was also very fortunate that my first professional job was with a, a female director called Mai Zetling, who was a famous movie star in the 50s. She was Swedish. And um, she told me, I was 17 when I did my first professional job, and she said, you've got to work hard, and you've got to work harder than most. And you've got to write, you've got to direct, you've got to do other stuff. Because otherwise you will just be, she used to say, the dolly in the corner. She didn't mean like dolly as in dolly. She meant dolly, you know. And, um, um, and she said, if, if you want more than that, you've got to graft. And, um, and I listened, thank goodness, I listened. And also, I was quite cocky when I was young as well. I, I got to a point where, even when I was, like, 21, I wasn't famous or anything like that, but I would turn down jobs. And I would turn down jobs if it was sort of... And it was inevitably the same dialogue as the last job you'd done, because I was inevitably always playing the fat mate of the lead girl. So um, about three times I was called Brenda. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> But it was like, like the fourth Brenda, and, um, and, and it, it was just the same dialogue as something I'd done, you know, two years before. So I started, I, I think I started to know my own worth, if you know what I mean, even though I sort of wasn't anybody and wasn't worth anything. But I, I kept an eye on myself, and, um, but that took hard work, and it, that takes sort of courage, I think, to turn down money and stuff like that. So I'm really proud of the kid I was, actually. Um, and I did work hard, but I was very lucky at certain points as well. So three Brendas is the maximum amount yeah, of Brendas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just when, you know, there were always... A, I did two plays in succession as well, and one was an American play and one was a Canadian play. And um, the American play... Um, uh, the character I was playing uh, was obsessed with donuts, and then um, and then a couple of Sounds years later, great. yeah, <laughs> and I then might a couple have been in that. <laughs> but, but she didn't actually get to eat any donuts. Oh, I had a bollocks, you see. <laughs> but then I did a Canadian play, and again, um, this again, this character was obsessed with donuts. I think there's this thing of, you know, if you're a, if you're a chubby girl, then all you, all you're interested in is is food rather than cock, you know. The, the, 
Are you saying if it was a ring donut, you could have made that into I a could have. I could have. <laughs> <laughs> or you're always a bit of a slag in things, you know. If ever you, yeah, I never, I was never sort of somebody's girlfriend in things. I was always, I was always the shag, you know. Ne- never the girlfriend. This is when I was younger, you know. So I put a stop to that as well. If I'm not having that. So, oh, good on oh, you. Bravo. Bravo. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what woman from history would you like to go for a pint slash cup of tea with? It'd be a cup of tea with you, wouldn't it, Sarah? It would be a cup of tea. Who would you take? A woman from history. Oh, God, I don't know. Oh God, can you go to somebody else first while I have a think? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, 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 I think the interesting thing about women in history is that um, you go back to a certain point and the only women we know anything about are either very wealthy women um, who had like an independent income or royal people or people that did something spectacular like Baudicere. Um So what I would like to do is I'd like to go back to medieval times because they sound so fucking gruesome, don't they? (laughs) And I'd like to ask a normal woman that just lived on a normal street who's not famous what her life was like, you know, because I don't think you get any glimpse at all of what a real um, woman's uh, life was like, you know. I think one of the most fantastic things I've ever read about medieval women was um, it was a piece of writing, I think, by, by a, a monk saying that at certain jousting tournaments, a group of pissed women would turn up <laughs> dressed as men and join in the jousting and start fights. <laughs> and Let's do it. That's what I'd like to find out about. Thank God there were still some of them around in those days. Brilliant. No, it's true what you say about... Because when I did my Who Do You Think You Are, I was really hoping for a woman. I really wanted them to have found a woman that had done something brilliant, and they found me two men who were amazing. But there was a little one, they were like, and he's called John, and I was like, nah. Uh, And the second one, they were like, he's called... Ah, shit. I really wanted... And I said to the genealogist, I said, are they... Are there any stories about women? And they said, the women weren't always, like, on the census. Like, they didn't always have to put their jobs down. So it was almost, like you say, like, there's the famous ones, and then the the rest are just kind of disappear. So I think I might just go jousting with Joe instead. (laughs) Agreed. I'll go jousting, but I'll bring Michelle Obama along with us. I love I just, I just think she's magnificent, absolutely magnificent. And she is, she's not from the history of the past, but she has made history, yeah. so, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Actually, that links in with mine, because I am completely obsessed by Eleanor Roosevelt, mm. and because she was an incredible woman, yeah. and she did a lot for a lot of people. And, um, yeah, I, it gives me pause to think what the new first lady might be like but I'm not entirely sure if she, she necessarily is quite as empowered for women as the pair of them were but she might get there you never know yeah you, well you let's, never know let's not judge her yet we've but, got to yeah. have hope really yeah because there ain't no hope with him really I don't know <laughs> quite so um so I think we've got five it's time for our last question oh, I've got ten we've got ten have we got ten okay yeah, well yeah. I thought I thought I might ask was because um I think we can all agree that 2016 has been as rotten as Byron's cock. Um, so is that, an, is that a saying? It is now. <laughs> it is now. Um, um, 
It really, I mean, I, a friend of mine sent me a, a, a thing the other day to say that the word post-truth had become the word of the year in the Oxford English Dictionary, and he said, um, yeah, really, if you thought cunt ever had a chance, it would have been this year. <laughs> but, but, it, but it obviously hasn't. So I was wondering if there was, like, a shiny example of something either that's happened to you personally or nationally that's been a good, a good thing we could take away and say 2016 hasn't been quite as terrible as, as it has been. Joe? Well, I had um, a terrible year personally, um, and there was a terrible year politically as well. Um, Work-wise was pretty much the only decent stuff going on for me, and I think what made my year was like, I did this fucking massive long walk for sport relief. Um, It was, it was appalling. And when they asked me to do it... Do you remember Peter Kay? He, did, he went round Britain on a sofa. Mm. I, I asked him if I could go round Britain on him. Right. And they, they weren't up for that. But I think, actually, what they wanted was... Because all of the other sort of sports things they've had have, have been people that, that... David Williams was amazing, Eddie was amazing, but people that actually got properly fit and did it. And I, I think they wanted a kind of fat grumpy woman going over the Pennines to inspire other fat grumpy women, which I was only too pleased to do. And then the other thing that attracted me really to it was they said to me, um, you'll be burning 6,000 calories a day. Fuck me. So, anyway, unfortunately I ate 9,000 calories a day. You know, the... It almost worked. It almost worked. And in many ways, it was, a, it was a real experience for me because, thank God, they didn't do it in the south of England because normally they do everything in the south of England. It was up, going from Hull to Liverpool, in, across a huge swathe of England that is enormously impoverished. No jobs, post-industrial, everyone really fucking miserable. And who could blame them up there? It's unemployment really high. And just to go through those areas and see what brilliant senses of humour people had. We had such a bloody laugh, you know. And they were just so pleased that I'd come. And there was one um, estate we went through about 8 o'clock in the evening. Everyone was completely fucking pissed. (laughs) And this woman came up to me to say hello, and she was the most... She was queen of the pissed, because she was so drunk. And she went to put her arm around me and just hit me really hard around the face. And... I kind of had to do celebrity smiling through it, even though it nearly killed me. But anyway, um, I just an amazing experience. And, um, you know, I hope it did inspire a few fat middle-aged women that are lazy to go for a walk, because that's what I was before I did it. I, I can't follow that, really. <laughs> so I won't. <laughs> have you got got one Um, well today I saw a pug dressed as Father Christmas on the tube that was quite exciting Um, and people started talking about it and like making eye contact with each other it was quite a moving experience but um Oh, was that on the tube? Did that was on the it? tube today. People were making eye contact on the tube. Yeah, and they were talking, wow. and they were, like, playing with the dog. And oh, yeah, yeah, that's a nice was, thing. It was, it was quite nice. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It has been pretty shit, personally. It has been pretty shit politically. I agree with that. I think um, I had an excellent conversation with my nephew about when, um, when Ghostbusters came out and there was all that nonsense about, you know, well, you know, the nonsense that came with Ghostbusters and lots of 40-year-old men stamping their feet and on the internet oh, saying, God, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's ruined this, it's done this, why would you do this, women mm. are shit, and all of that. Um, and I had my... Ne- and, oh, and I've had several conversations with my nephew about... Uh, how, Kate, old is you, how old is he? He's you? 10. Okay. About Kate McKinnon, who, according to him, is... Sorry, that was totally epic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, it, it gives me great hope. And also, uh, Sophie Scott, she writes for us, um, and she did a piece about when John Lewis was going to get rid of its haberdashery department. And um, which was just one step too much for 2016. <laughs> it could just um, sort of. And she sent she sent us some photographs of some things that she had um, uh, made uh, using stuff from the haberdashery department. One of them was her son's Halloween costume, and he is ten, and he had gone dressed as Kate McKinnon in Ghostbusters. And yeah, and I think it gives me great hope to think that while 40-year-old men on the internet might be complete dicks, 10-year-old boys are wonderful. Mm. Um, I haven't got anything that compete with either of these things. Um, I've had quite a shit year personally as well. And obviously the world has gone to turds. Um, I did a nice thing. Can I tell you a nice thing I did? Yeah. Um, I. And uh, no, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, my mum is. Uh, my mum was in a wheelchair and had uh, sort of polio when she was eight, and she's always sort of struggled through life. And she has always resisted hearing aids, even though her hearing is pretty bad, um, because she said she didn't want like the full set. Um, because she wears glasses, she's in a wheelchair, she didn't want the last thing. And I think, I sat, I've tried for years to convince her to get hearing aids, and she just resisted, and I totally get it, I totally get it. And then I realised one day, when I was having lunch with her, that it was because she thinks they're like the old-fashioned ones that are like quite chunky and behind your ear, and that they're visible, and it's a vanity thing, and I totally get it. She's had enough on her plate. I have one of those. Have you? Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't wear it. Oh. Because it looks terrible and it's a vanity thing. Well, yeah, exactly. So I totally got it. But I said to her, you know, you can get like teeny tiny ones now that you, people wouldn't even know. And then her eyes sort of lit up. And uh, I managed over the course of a lunch to convince her to get hearing aids. And we went from there to she wanted some perfume. So my dad wanted to buy her some perfume. And the lady, and I made my mum shake on it. She's quite old fashioned in that. That means like that's definitely going to fucking happen now. <laughs> And in, in, at the perfume counter, the lady uh, said to my mum if she'd like it in a bag or not. And my mum looked at me and she said, I can't, I can't hear her. And I said, exactly. And within about a fortnight, uh, she'd had the test and she'd had the fitting. And now she has hearing aids. And it feels like I am such a cow that I will bully people <laughs> until they live the way I want them to live. And it just feels like a nice thing of all of the shitty things. It was a nice thing that happened this year. And yeah, and I got a message today. My sister just said uh, that she wanted to remind me of how much she loves having her hearing aids again. Wow. And it was really nice. So yeah, it's just it's a nice thing. Now you're going to bully me into wearing my hearing aid. Yeah, now you've is, said that I am going to bully you. It, yeah. it does make the world really loud, though. Yeah, or like normal volume, you mean? Yeah, yeah. But, but it's kind of loud to me. When I when I first got mine, when I first got mine, I was walking through Addenbrooke's Hospital, 
and I was walking along sort of the corridor and I went into the outside area and I could like hear birds singing in trees and I was like Snow White I was like oh look at this this whole world has like opened up to me and at that moment like two ambulances just come oh. screaming into the, the bay and I was like I don't like it now that she's got them she's got the one in each ear she takes them out to eat crisps <laughs> Them, which is what she was doing before. <laughs> I think we have got time for one more. So I just thought I might ask you if you if you women could do any job in the world, anything at all, no matter how crazy. I mean, prime minister, whatever. What would you do? Me? You looking yeah. at me? Let's go with Sarah. I am. Um, I did a work experience when I was for, maybe fourteen or fifteen in a veterinary hospital because I really wanted to be like a veterinary nurse. Turns out I haven't got a very strong stomach, or <laughs> uh, didn't have then. And my, I think I wanted, I'd kind of maybe not the training to be a vet because that feels like that's years and years and years at university. But my two of my pets have been really ill recently, and the vets and the veterinary nurses have been absolutely amazing, and I think they're worth their weight in gold. So I think if I was going to retrain to do anything, I'd like to be a veterinary nurse. But it turns out I'm not very good at holding animals, really, still. I've tried it. I'm not very good at that, because my dog, uh, only the other day, pulled, uh, caught his claw on something, and it all, the whole claw came out. Yeah, and it was at midnight on a Saturday. And so, but the vet came out, and well, I met her at the, at the uh, surgery and she was amazing but she said I don't have a veterinary nurse so you have to hold him <laughs> and it was really hard and it was really horrible and I thought what an amazing job but it, it would be a rewarding job I think right. as well so um, maybe, maybe my stomach is stronger now let's hope <laughs> Agreed um, Kathy? Well I, I don't know it's back to it's kids again isn't it I think I would have liked to have been like a primary school teacher really I just, I, I just, I, oh no, 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 we've got some in, you're going, no, no, no. <laughs> or, or, you know, nursery school or something like that. I, 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 what, what's going on? I can't eat. I, I need Sarah's mum's hearing aids. Cause I don't, um, but yeah, something like that, because I, I, I just think kids are hilarious. So, And the good thing happening in 2016 is because I, I know a lot of young people people in their sort of mid you know early 30s mid 30s they're very young to me they're like my the children I didn't have and a, and a clump of them are pregnant now so that's really lovely so I'm gonna in December there are two coming along one at the beginning and one at the end and so um, so I'm really pleased about that oh that's nice yeah. hope <laughs> we need a bit of hope um, well, uh, the primary school thing, when um, my kids were at primary school, I was actually asked to go and talk to a class of five-year-olds about <laughs> being a stand-up comic. Which oh, fantastic. Hilarious. <laughs> Brilliant. And um, I said at the end, has anyone got any questions? It's gorgeous at work. He goes, yeah, I've got a question. And, and I went, go on, fire away. And he goes, do you change colour when you go on stage? I said, has he found out I'm an alcoholic? Um, <laughs> And I went, what do you mean? And he says, well, you're a stand-up chameleon, aren't you? <laughs> See? Bless him. See? That's a joke to end on. Exactly. <laughs> I think it is. Um, uh, actually, have any of you got anything you want to plug? Anything that you've got coming up that you'd like to... You're writing at the moment, I'm writing, you? but not really. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, are you filming at the moment? 
I, yeah, I'm doing a film at the moment. I'm playing a very thin young person. <laughs> and I've got lots of um, very thin people I know playing my fat friends, which is, like, really good fun. Uh, no, I'm doing a film up in Blackpool, and... Um, Oh, no, I, I'll, I'll sound like I'm boasting, so I'll stop there. Anyway, I hope it's all right. No, you said it was in Blackpool. It doesn't sound like you're boasting. Calm it down, All right, well, um, it's from a novel that I wrote, and it's, um, it's about a family in which um, one, uh, one of the members uh, is uh, mentally ill, has mental health problems, and um, it's been knocking around for ten years. Trying, we're trying to get the finance for it and we've fi- finally found really wealthy blue <laughs> Blackpool and he's gone oh yeah fuck it alright um, so uh, we're really really pleased and it's got a brilliant cast it'll be out next March anyway my, um, my DVD comes out tomorrow Yay! it's quite that's quite scary it feels quite scary it's like the night before oh god it makes me feel sick just thinking about it but I'm really proud of it and uh, I hope you like it if you're going to buy it bless you and if you've got somebody in your family who you don't really know but they're a woman that's what normally happens people just go I'll just buy for Auntie Sheila I don't know what she'd like Uh, Auntie Sheila likes swearing and stuff about fannies you'd be on a winner Um, (laughs) have you got anything you want to plug Um, well only uh, if you don't want to buy Auntie Sheila Sarah's DVD you can certainly buy memberships for Standard Issue which helps support us and keep us going um, well, they start at ten pounds. It'd be a nice Christmas present for your yeah your boyfriend's no, not your boyfriend's new girlfriend, your brother's new girlfriend, well, or any, whatever. Any, you don't know what like. to give her. Um, and the also, the feature cat, whatever. But also, uh, if you haven't read Standard Issue, please have a look at it. StandardIssueMagazine.com. Uh, it's a no bullshit women's magazine, and we talk about everything. Hannah has some amazing columns in it. A political column that you've been you were doing all the way through the primaries and all the way up yeah. to the election, and then you do what you do telly columns. I do American lot. politics and TV which don't seem to have much crossover but yeah you know but she does amazing columns someone's got to do it so please have a look at it if you get a chance uh, and please join me in thanking Hannah Dunleavy Cathy Burke Joe Brand issue for all women.